Welcome to the Sports Finder Podcast. Let's get ready to rumble! Sports Finder community, we are back with our show. This week we have a very special guest, Mr. Adam, the founder of Benchvote. Adam, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, man. It's always good to be here. It's always good to have great people like yourself on, mate. Oh, thank you. It's your time. Absolutely, mate. Anytime. So, Adam, um, recently on LinkedIn, there was a bit of a feed on a post that that you had in um, digitalsport.co. Um, mm. It was on the underinvestment in digital and how it's, it's harming revenue growth in elite sport. And I thought this is a great topic to have you join me with on, on, on the podcast and learn a bit more and discuss more how it's affecting clubs and whatnot because it's uh, something that I've spoken about with my um, – with my other podcast guest, Mr. Clint, from uh, Bullpen Media. So, Adam, let's get going. What are your thoughts, mate? Yeah, definitely. So, um, it's always good to know that we, end up, we know the same people as well. It's always good. <laughs> the so small community, like, mate. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, look, um, from, from my side, uh, I guess one of the key things that I find, um, especially in my travels, you know, we, we, we talk to clubs and, and brands also of all sizes. You know, whether they're, um, you know, a, a very small club or a very, very, very big one um, in Australia. But they, they, the key thing that I always tend to find is that um, you know, we always hear and we always tend to see that the that the actual digital capability internally, what I mean by that is, you know, being able to, um, whether it's either, you know, kind of develop a really simple campaign website, whether it's, you know, being able to use a, a you know, kind of an online tool like a let's say uh, a landing page creator or something along those lines like yeah, and then keep it kind of going beyond that just understanding what's out there in the market in terms of things like creating social walls or being able to um, you know, kind of create offer different sort of visual experiences and understanding how that data that you acquire out of your fan base actually gets used and kind of how that flows uh, through and even just even basic kind of marketing size and things like that so all the stuff that People like me coming from an agency kind of background that would you know, do almost on a day in day out basis to kind of understand how that all works. Uh, I find that it's just really missing from a um, from a from a club perspective. That there are that there, of course those people do exist, um, and especially in the AFL and some of the people that, that we've spoken to, some of the people that we work with, they are absolutely phenomenal at that, and they have a really keen understanding of that kind of thing. But then we find that you know they'll maybe be one of those kind of people in a club. There you know, with maybe you know, 250 or 300 people that work in that club, there's probably going to be one really, really good digital operator there. And then beyond that, you know, like, uh, I guess the kind of the, the, the capability sort of diminishes you go from a very senior kind of person all the way through to someone who's, you know, doesn't have a great sort of digital understanding, doesn't know how to kind of pull a really good digital campaign together. So I just find that it's a really strange thing, um, you know, considering especially that, that more and more fans kind of pushing forward that sort of digital experience. And more and more brands are looking for it as well from what we see because you know as opposed to doing a you know kind of a, a, a signage or a front jersey sort of based sponsorship 
if you really want to acquire data and you want to sort of generate business like the back can be sponsored, then, then digital is kind of one of the best ways to do that. So I just find it, it's a really strange dichotomy between what's happening in the clubs and what kind of partners and brands are looking for because I can only see it moving one way, right? The clubs are, that brands are only going to be pushing clubs in this direction more and more. And I really hope that it's going to be one of those sort of natural progressions where, uh, yeah, where kind of clubs will be forced to do it. But at the moment, I'm just, I feel like we're at a tipping point now where we've got to kind of cross that Rubicon of, no, when's this going to happen? It will happen, but it's just a case of, I think, because it hasn't happened for the last five or so years, the clubs that do know it and the clubs that are already on board with it will be so far ahead that they'll almost have the market to themselves in some cases. And that's why I think that, you know, that, that it's really kind of hard with revenue growth because by underinvesting today, they're really setting themselves up for failure in the future because the clubs that are already with it today, they'll be five, six, seven steps ahead you know, uh, in, in five years' time. So. Okay. Can you give us a few examples on who you think is doing a great job? Um, yeah, without naming too many names, um, I think so. Kind of domestically, uh, the, there are a couple of guys at some of the NFL clubs. Like I think, I think uh, some of the guys at Essendon and even GWS Giants do a phenomenal job. Uh, Kieran Turner at uh, uh, the Adelaide Football Club is also a phenomenal operator, and then even some of the guys at the Western Bulldogs and so on. Like they're all there. Right. I mean, some of these teams are really, really, really good at what they do. But uh, I just find that, you know, when you go into, let's say, as an example, um, I, I would, like, of course, I've got to be careful. I don't shoot myself foot here as well. But <laughs> I'm quite going both ways. But, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, I, I would put those, some of those guys that work at, at, at those clubs and on a, on a pedestal, you know, in that we kind of speak the same language in a lot of cases and, and we, we also have a similar sort of thought process. Um, whereas, you know, I guess kind of outside of that in, in certain other sports and, and, and certain other places that I go, um, generally I find that there's a bit of an underinvestment in that kind of thing where you know, I guess just the whole marketing team is not particularly well resourced or well staffed. But then when you look on the other side compared to content and things like that, where they do, where we do find that they're generally resourced fairly well, um, maybe more so than they should be. Uh, that's usually kind of what I find. I'm trying to I'm trying to make this as democratic as I can really can. I'm sorry if I'm being really vague, but no, that's all right. um, yeah, yeah. So I, I do find that I think that those guys do a really really great job, um, and the AFL in general, of course. But then moving outside of that in the sporting landscape, but you've got guys that you know like the, like the Wanderers, of course, do a great job at CFC and so on and so forth. But you know, kind of beyond that, I find that, that there is quite a, a chasm. You know, there's quite a drop. Um, in terms of the guys who do it really, really well, and you know, and, and you probably know exactly who they are too, and then the ones yeah, yeah. That, where it's an opportunity as well. Okay, let's talk about the whole storytelling approach with um with elite clubs. Do you think there's a bit of a lacking in that when it comes to storytelling? Um, I think how you tell the story is is one thing. Um. It's the best way that I can put it. So when you say storytelling, what do you mean exactly? Okay. So basically when I say stories, I mean you have so many resources at, at your disposal, right? You have 44 different individuals there. And what we tend to see a lot from elite sporting clubs is the same repetitive content, results, mm. teams, yeah. injuries, so on, so on, some behind the scenes, right? You have so much there that's that – could potentially bring in new fans, build affinity with players, 
build that connection that sometimes that is lacking, whether you're winning or losing, you, you know. Um, and one one organization who does that really well is is the UFC. The UFC. Yeah, spoke about this a while ago, didn't we? Yeah, and I also commented on that on that post as well. The um the the UFC really does that unbelievably well, and that's why they've built processes that it actually it's become systemized and it's automatic. So as you come through the system of theirs, your story is exposed to the whole world. People start to feel with you, understand you more, learn more about you. All of a sudden, they feel like there's a relationship between you and them, and they don't even know you. Um, and that's what they've really mastered. And um, and I think that's what our elite sporting clubs are, are really missing because they have more individuals to work with, but it's just not happening. Even the AFL itself or these these, these other sporting leagues. Yeah, it's more about telling the actual story of the individual, right? As yeah. As opposed to just the team and kind of fixtures and, and, and that kind of thing. I think um, one of the other good examples of this would be like being sports as an example, right? I think they're just, they're, they're, they're doing a they're, they're doing a series on on uh, like derbies around the world, right? So they did one yeah, of the yeah. Sydney derby just uh, on the weekend and, and and all elsewhere around the world. So I, I agree, and, and even kind of when I watch content about sports on on YouTube and that kind of thing on my TV at home, yeah, you know, I'm not generally watching um, content about directly the clubs, even the clubs that I support, because I, you know, I, I, I would really agree with you that I find that a lot of times that it is quite samey. Um, there are some guys that do it quite well. Like I, I was actually, I'm not a Pats fan, but I was on the, um, somehow I got recommended a, a New York Patriots, sorry, a, um, a New England Patriots um, video. And it was actually more about the team. Uh, and by when I say the team, like the guys who actually make the football team work. Yeah. So it was, a video on like how the catering staff prepare and how the team trainer, yeah. you know, how he actually yeah. got his job doing it. And he was some guy from the, uh, he was a Marine before that. He fell into, you know, kind of personal training and he got his, he got his dream job with Patriots. That's a great story, right? And, and, exactly. and I love, I love learning about how a team like that functions, you know, and, and how, and this could be very nerdy of me as well, you know, and, I, and, I, and I'm completely aware that it probably is and not a whole lot of people would be interested in that, but also, like the freight and the logistics in terms of how the team actually operates. Um, so those kinds of stories are really key. The other one that I'll say that I watched really recently, which I think every, like, I don't think you can call yourself a sports fan until you watch this documentary, um, it's called Sunderland Until I Die. It's on Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. Absolutely just wow. Like, you know, I've seen countless sports documentaries, but actually being able to see what it's like for a club that's doing really badly and you know they went through two relegations in in, in, um, in, in space of two years but being able to see what kind of an impact that has you know actually even understanding from the, the players you know one of their players that, that you know kind of held a club at ransom and things like that that's content you can't buy like that's that's what i think people want to see is that sort of level of behind the scenes right where you know, not everything has to be a rosy picture and, and that kind of thing. But uh, and then also like the Formula One, the Formula One series was yeah. really good. It, just, it didn't paint them all as these, you know, kind of Adonis type sort of figures, you know, who are gladiators and like like what well, everybody considers to be a Formula One driver. But do you see the team principles, you know, having a good go at each other and and you know one of the guys swearing and all that kind of stuff? Like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Really the core of content, but. 
Um, I, I think in terms of creating that sort of stuff, I'm pretty sure that the clubs are very aware of, of that, like that, that that's what, what they do. But I think at the same time, because they are at the end of the day kind of held to their, their partners as well, that probably a lot of their partners wouldn't be too happy if you know they were kind of showing that level of behind the scenes because there has to be that level of you know kind of grandeur and that kind of thing because at the end of the day if they show too much of that it also puts them in a bad situation when they need to either you know go out for sponsorship or when they need to renew because you know a, a brand could come along and say well you know we've just seen in your content that you're not doing that well or you know probably don't want to spend that much with you etc so there's a really delicate balance between what they can and can't do that's why I think you know kind of our approach of Offering you know sort of digital experiences, which which you can create really good content out of, but not necessarily put really good content into, um, is really good. So as an example, you know like the the, the man of the match vote that we did uh, that we get for one of the one city clubs, um, that sort of thing could create really good content as well, and, and it has done in the past because you can see you know seventy five percent of people voted for X player, ten percent of people voted for one player, you know one percent of people voted for you know maybe it's fringe. Um, uh, free result, etc. That's really good because it engages people on social as well. You can say, oh, no, I don't think you should have won, you should be in, blah, blah, blah. You know, it kind of sparks content and debate that way. So that that's kind of a media that you can't get elsewhere, right? So that's where I feel like there's, you know, just kind of shooting, you know, keeping the video rolling 24-7, that kind of thing. That's not necessarily the answer. It's doing some of the sort of digital stuff where you can create content off the, off the, off the back of what fans are actually talking about, what fans are thinking. That's really important too. Yeah, absolutely. And Google did that with the AFL in the final series as well, which was um, which was awesome. Um, yeah, I mean that's. But you see, these are different perspectives that that we're looking at. You know, building up profiles, engaging fans. So they're they're, they're two different ends that you can really um, that you can really monetize on nowadays with all the resources that you have, and you can also like. Limit what what goes out. Like for example, Liverpool has Liverpool TV, and they show you the first day of preseason, their meeting, them so on and so on and so on. Fans like that, man. That's it. I watch it. Tons of had it had millions of views, right? It's just how it is. People, fans yeah. find that interesting. Exactly. I'm, I'm I'm not an Arsenal fan, but I love watching Arsenal TV. Like it's one of the, it's one of my favorite things to watch on YouTube is watching those guys. Um, yeah. And there's a great one right now, you know, considering that they drew against Crystal Palace, right? I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. So, like the user-generated content side of things, I think that's another thing that that clubs can lean into is getting their fans to actually create content around them. Uh, team football and COVID-19 and COVID as well, they're really, really great. Uh, they're really great content sources. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And like now, Southampton lost nine nil to yeah. um, Leicester, right? They donated all their wages. All of their, yeah, yeah, all of their so, wages to charity. I exactly. Mean, like, I mean, just great story, right? Like it's, exactly. Um, so imagine going behind the scenes and seeing the reactions in the club, how that all unfolded. Yeah. So everyone wants to watch that, right? Yeah, exactly. Any sporting I, fan. So this is what we're this is what we're this is what we're trying to push and what we're talking about. Yeah. I, I think one of the things to keep in mind, right, is that when you, when you work with big clubs and that kind of thing, is that you, you understand very quickly that um, uh, uh, that you like I guess what you and I are talking about today that these are not unique thoughts, and I'm sure that even people who work in those clubs have already thought about that quite to, to detail. But at the end of the day, there's always this kind of fine line between what's com- what's commercially common sense 
and what's really good from the fan and, and, and those things have to play a harmony and sometimes, you know, one of those two will win. Um, I, I won't, you know, I won't say explicitly which one that is yeah. in most cases, but you can probably guess what, 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 I, what, what that is, but yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of the thinking, right? And I think that some of the smaller clubs, right, that, that, that there is actually your opportunity, you know, if you're playing first grade or second grade rugby, Yes. Um, that's what people want to really hear about. Not necessarily the fact that, you know, there's a, you know, there's a fifteen dollar schnitzel at the end of the game or anything along those lines, but, yeah. you know, knowing that actually seeing what it takes to, to, to do that or living a life of, you know, a Briars player or something along those lines, that's really key and that's a huge opportunity, but it's got to work hand in hand, right? Like, if you go too deep into content, then, you know, then, then you actually miss out on some of the, the, uh, of some of the actual commercial sides of being able to do really good data acquisition. Being able to give your sponsors if they're looking at you know making if it's an automotive industry so and they want to be able to make a sale of a car off the back of the sponsorship. If you're focusing only on content, that's not going to do the job, is it? Like you need to have a balance of the two. It's got to be some sort of digital, like whether it's a microsite, whether it's you know a, a, an activation or something along those lines, and yeah, then the content yeah, yeah. kind of augments it. Right now, I think that it's the opposite way where they're always trying to sell content. And not the actual campaign, which is going to drive that result, and that's what I'm finding important right now. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's always got got to be a balance. So yeah, in, in everything you do, like I'll, like for example, I'll, I'll give an example. I was at a conference in the states in 2017. We had the Boston Celtics um, director of marketing there, and okay. a, a question was asked: um, What are your thoughts on Snapchat? And what at the time Mark Cuban was going crazy, take people behind the scenes at the Dallas Mavericks and whatnot, and showing people, and their engagement was through the roof. Like they they had like engagement increased like two hundred percent, like crazy, crazy, massive numbers. Mm. And and they asked him, and they said to him, he goes, "Oh, we got a lot a lot of restrictions on what we can and can't do. For example." Mark Cuban's the owner. He can do whatever he wants. He goes, I'm, just yeah. the, I'm the director of marketing. And then he goes, unless the whole organization's attitude changes, we can't do that. But yeah, Mark's, yeah, Mark led the way in changing that, that attitude and that approach inside his organization. Hence, all the exposure and all the openness to behind the scenes and all that stuff. But, you know, if done correctly, it can work. It's just about um, yeah, them exactly. a, a, adopting the actual thought process and the mentality. So basically, that's just a, a little story. So you know, I mean, we've uh, we've we've had a good chat. We've definitely gone into a few stories, some details. What do organisations need to do more to get that balance right? Just to finish off. So I, I don't necessarily think that the answer is in, you know, in, is in resourcing up, right? I, I truly believe that there, there are really good solutions out there, you know, like Benchvote and, and, and so on and so forth. There are other ones out there that do different things um, that can help to kind of bridge the gap because a lot of clubs don't necessarily have the money to be able to spend on a new, you know, on, an, on a new, you know, marketing manager or, or a, you know, kind of senior digital producer or someone along those lines. You know, yeah. those people are expensive and that costs money, but... Software can fill that gap, right? So I, I think it's really kind of having an open mind. Um, and, and, you know, as, as software providers ourselves, you know, we kind of do, we, we do sometimes make a lot for our own backs because you know, there are a million and one content-based startups out there, you know, that'll analyze video or produce video and things along those lines. But I think it's also part 
partly our job and our responsibility as well to be able to find exactly what the clubs need and what's going to get them to their outcome, which is essentially to make more money at the end of the day um, faster, right? So how, how do we Absolutely. create very sponsor, you know, very sponsor friendly? How do we make the job of actually servicing those sponsors, you know, easier? How do we give the, you know, whoever it is that's going to be doing it, you know, it could be their first job in sport, it could be their first job in marketing full stop. How do we make their lives easier? How do we give them something that's going to make, you know, help them generate, help them to do what they need to do quicker? Sometimes these guys work, you know, insane hours, right? Sometimes they do, you know, 12, 15, 14 hours a day. That kind of thing. That's not always uncommon when it comes to sports. It's always remembering what it's for. Like the fan is a huge part of that, of course. Yeah. Um, and they always will be, but sometimes it's important to remember, well, who is it that you're actually, who's going to be your end user? Who's going to yeah. you know, use a thing in the club and that kind of thing? So it, it's a balance, right? The clubs have to have an open mind. Uh, but then also we as, you know, providers and vendors, we have to make sure that we're actually, you know, kind of make sure we tick their boxes as well at the same time. Yeah, I actually did my, um, my masters with the Bulldogs marketing team. And, no, uh, yeah, and they said to me that it's not uncommon for us to work six days a week. Yeah, so, absolutely. And, yeah. and that's only getting more now because if you look at, if you look at a lot of these clubs, right, they've got, I'm um, just using AFL again as an example. Right? They've got the AFL Madison, they've got AFLW. Some of them have netball teams. Some of them have esports teams. Some of them have exactly. Um, so there, there is no off season anymore. You know, before you, you you could look forward to six months on, six months off, that kind of thing. But now you'd be lucky if you get two weeks to go on holiday a year. Yeah, it's so insane. You just got to remember that at the end of the day, what these people have to work with. So um, you know, I, I think that's kind of it. Like it, it's always a balancing act at the end. Awesome, awesome. All right, Adam, thank you so much. Um, I really yeah. appreciate you coming on. Great chat. Mm-hmm. You shared some great ideas, different stories, whatnot. Always good to talk to you, of course. Before we let you go, buddy, where can we find you guys online? Yeah, um, so LinkedIn is always the best best spot. Um, so Adam Musa of M-U-X-S-A. Um, so that's my personal LinkedIn profile. And then uh, LinkedIn.com forward slash Benchvote, I think it is, or just the website, Benchvote.com. Um, if anybody ever has any questions or, or any, any queries, always just, there's a contact form there and, and we're always very, very, very quick to respond. So look forward to hearing from you. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Adam from Bench Vote, thank you very much for joining me on the Sports Finder podcast. It was a pleasure, mate. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Sports Finder podcast. We'll catch you on our next episode. Y'all ready for this?